Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, and uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by James again. James was on last week, and we decided we'd invite him back because he had a sterling <laughs> debut, and I wanted to really, really talk to him about the massive, big, huge breaking news. Well, we're going to talk about midfield, but there's massive, big, huge, unbelievably breaking news at the moment, and that is that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's uh, court <laughs> No, absolutely not. You're <laughs> in the wrong place. If you're, I might actually tag Johnny Johnny Depp and Amber Heard in the actual podcast notes in a moment. So you can <laughs> yeah, to listen. Um, <laughs> but James, how are you getting on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too bad, you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, but no, the big news, I suppose, out of Villa Park today, and and it has slightly sidetracked and hijacked our our podcast tonight, is that Michael Beale has. Uh, I I think you know. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk about what I think in a moment. But he has taken up the position as um, manager slash head coach of uh, QPR. Um, yeah. Yet to be seen whether it's going to be a massive derailment of the project with regards to Stephen Gerrard. But I'd be interested to see what your views on it are, James, and what you feel. Um, I think obviously it is a bit of a disappointment. But um, I tweeted about this the other day. It's it's come at a better time than when we lost um, Richard O'Kelly and JT last season. Um, Gives us a lot of time to look for the right man. I mean, ideally, we get it wrapped up quite quick, but we don't rush it at the same time. Um, we ideally need someone that's obviously the same wavelength as uh, Stevie G, um, someone that's going to be comfortable around him, comfortable around the players, brings out the best in them. But yeah, it's 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 not the ideal start, but I don't think it's as um, I don't. It's been blown out of proportion a little bit, I think, on uh, on some social media sites. But yeah. We see what comes of it now. I'm not really like up to date on um, assistant coaches or anything. It's not the same as getting players and stuff. Obviously, I liked your um, shirt. Was yeah. it Mike Garrity earlier? Uh, from yeah, uh, we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, we'll see what comes of that. Like, and I'm gonna be really honest. Like, we were doing a podcast last night, and someone dropped it into the comments saying, uh, "Guys, keep an eye out for Mike Garrity," and it's somebody who just appears in a puff yeah. of smoke every so often in our comments and goes, lads, this person isn't playing today, like 10 minutes before the team sheet is announced or whatever. And I'm just kind of going, okay, when this person speaks, sometimes I, I, yeah, I, I like, when not sometimes, all the time I listen. And uh, I don't know who they are, so I couldn't tag them on, uh, on, on Twitter or anything like that <laughs> to, 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 yeah. to let them know. But um, I suppose a, a lot of... Uh, and we'll talk about the Mike Garrahy situation in a moment because I did go in and look at it afterwards. But um, I think with regards to the McBeal thing, um, look, 
if anybody in that situation, if you're going to back yourself, if you're 41 years of age and people have been blowing smoke at you for years about how good of a coach you are and you get an opportunity to coach a team in the championship, um, albeit mid-table team, like mm-hmm. their, their squad is needs work, needs coaching, but if you get that opportunity to do it, you're going to have to take it. And I think Stephen Gerrard probably always knew that deep yeah. down. That uh, that something like that was going to happen. So I think contingency is this team's middle. Is this uh, is this ownership's middle name at the moment? Whether you like it or not, I think the contingency of selling Jack Grealish last year was to bring in the three players that they brought in. And while it yeah. may it, it it hasn't really come to fruition yet, they're still at a plan. So yeah. they weren't caught flat footed. Uh, yeah, exactly. and I think something like that will happen here as well. Um, but it's it's an interesting. I, I have to I have to admire this man's perseverance, John Gameson, uh, watching Scotland in the pub and listening to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have to, yeah, I know Scotland are are, are playing poorly, but God, I yeah. didn't know who uh, who <laughs> I didn't know they were playing that poorly. That you wanted yeah, to sign. <laughs> got it on in the background because I was watching it before we came on, and yeah, they, they look like they've got no bite in them tonight. Ukraine looked much better, and then oh, McGinn missed an absolute sitter. I saw it. Yeah, I saw the header. I had um, I had the final amount and actually for between um, Argentina and um, and Italy because I just love Guido Rodriguez who plays for yeah, Argentina I and I go <laughs> I just watch him kick people up and down the field all day long and it just reminds <laughs> me because yeah when you when you used to play you know you used to like to drop back in there and just you know yeah. people up and down the field yeah. so I appreciate the dark arts of football at times. Yeah, um, sign, him, Langer, sign him. Yeah. <laughs> get it done get him in <laughs> but uh, on the McBeal piece um, uh, you know you mentioned there that like, like Twitter is a, is, is a blast with it um, that this is gonna like, like there seems to be uh, I, he's six months in the role ish and yeah. no he's more he's probably eight months in the role or whatever but it's almost like a sense of mourning about it um, yeah I'm not saying that that's wrong because he's a good coach but it's 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 like like there are other guys out there. Yeah, you know, there are other people out there who can come in and do a job. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I, I think it's one of those. Um, someone tweeted earlier, you know, like um, when Klopp lost, uh, forget his name now, the last assistant coach that he had, and there was a bit of an outcry there, saying, you know, what's he going to do now? And then they bought in Pep Linders, and arguably they're much better. It's one of those, isn't it? You just never know what's going to happen. We could bring someone in that's even better. Because, I mean, I know Michael Beale is really highly rated um, across the board by a lot of people. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean that we can't get someone better. We've got plenty of time to do it. So, yeah, mm. it's time will tell, really. Oh, yes, my dog doesn't approve of it either. <laughs> I don't know if anyone could hear it. Seko Borvac, I think the man's name was, was the... Um... Borvac, yes, Borvac, that's the one. Yeah, was the, yeah. Was the assistant manager. Yeah, he went after Dynamo Moscow. Maybe yeah. he's free. Maybe he doesn't have much yeah. to do now that the Russian, that the Russian league, uh, uh, that there's yeah. potential for Russian teams to be get Stevie on the blower. <laughs> yeah, get him on the blower. Exactly. See what happens. But no, look, I, I think that there's there's always going to be a retooling in this aspect. Now, I think you always kind of have to when you have an assistant manager that is so highly thought of. Even when you've got coaches that are so highly thought of, they're going to be picked up by other teams. They're going to be picked yeah. up by international teams specifically. Like realistically, if you've got a right, really, really good tech, like Tom Culshaw is 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 another guy who's who's mm-hmm. known to be a really good technical coach. When we talk about that, he's a skills coach. He's a positional coach. He's he did set pieces at 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 uh, Rangers. Um, and you know those kind of guys are the guys who add that extra extra bit when you're in a Premier League team. But for an international team, to get those guys in there to be able to spend a week with a team installing stuff in short bursts from a technical point of view over a week, they're invaluable. So, like, you know, you have to always be ready for those types of coaches if you do have a yeah. big coaching staff specifically to leave your club because the bigger your coaching staff, the, the easier it is to pluck someone from the mid-rung of your staff and pop them in there. Now, obviously, this guy is the top rung of our staff as being being that he's the assistant manager or he was the head coach, whatever way you want to call it, what it, want to call it, and he's been taken to have the top job. So, you know, uh, but there are going to be people out there, and we spoke about Mike Garrity. Um, I, I, I can't... Uh, I can't name too many, like, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pretend that I know coaches, but the two, the, like, Mike Garrity was something that was mentioned last night, should I say. And um, the, I suppose, like, his coaching career 
is very much Liverpool based with Neil Critchley, who's gone on to play with Blackpool. He did coach actually under yeah. McBeal. Um, he was assistant to McBeal for a couple of years as yeah, well. Yeah. And then he went to China. And, and I just think that there's something unbelievably cool about even only having 13 games and, and a couple of months. But under Marcelo Lippi, one of the best to ever manage. It's yeah. just, I, I think that's pretty amazing. And if you think about it, his his career is kind of like, he's gone to kind of mad places like that. Like he's gone over and he was assistant manager of China and he was also um, uh, head of youth development at Molde. And yeah. when, you back at, um, when you look back at what you call him, uh, Mick Beale's um, career as well, he went off to South America. Yeah. He went off to flung, flung places. So very serendipitous yeah. situations. That's very kind of got into. Uh, he fell in love with a bit the coaching, wasn't it? In um, South America, he, yeah. was it um, a kids' school that he um, that he started up? It wasn't so popular at first, and then he started taking classes. And I think he said something like, well, "Seeing them come out happy is what makes it worthwhile." And then I think obviously he I think just it was moved futsal on to or something. Futsal, yeah. A, yeah, yeah. And then he got a gig then with Sao Paulo uh, under Rodrigo Cerny, if I remember rightly. Yeah, assistant manager there. Yeah, I think he took charge of one of the games, didn't he, when he was over there as well? I think when uh, yeah, he had to because of uh, some, some sort of circumstances. I think he tweeted about that not long ago and he said it was a great experience and it's probably been in his mind, hasn't it, really, when you think about it, that, that sort of experience. And as you say, someone that's been told that often that he's, he's one to watch in coaching, he's probably thought, you know, some point soon I, I want to have a go myself. Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly it, look, you know. Um, <laughs> sometimes, like, like it's always a good manager will be will allow his will allow his uh, his staff to to move on because you don't want to stand in their way because then it'll be difficult to get staff in future because you don't want to be known as that guy you know, that yeah. guy that stands in people's way and obviously look Steve Jarrett has been nothing but effusive in his praise of uh, of McBeal and uh, like he he knows what side his, his, his bread is buttered on, I suppose, or he knew what side his bread is buttered on when he was with Stephen Jarrett. He put out a beautiful post to say, um, you know, thank you for four years of friendship and everything, that he's yeah. a real good guy, that he's a real good manager, and he built up a real good culture within within the coaching staff. And I thought that was a nice, classy way to leave, to leave, to leave the relationship as well. Although he had a Liverpool and a Rangers photo underneath, no Villa photo. So, yeah. No, you lose was, points um... for that, Mick. I think the because he said something about the relationships he'd built um, in his time. I, I don't know if I if I saw it wrong, but I, I think there might have been a picture of him with Aaron Danks. Maybe so. I think um, so. that's another person that I was thinking of because obviously the, the we're obviously talking about um, who we might look at. It, he might promote from within and then add someone in at a lower level inside the club. Um, but I'd be surprised. I think, I think, yeah, I think Danks is more of a he's an attacking coach, isn't he? I think he he works mm. on attacking patterns of play with with the players, so be a bit of a step up. But I mean, he's he's highly regarded as well. Um, just one of those, as you yeah. say, I, I, it would be surprising. I've just seen it banded around a bit. I'd be surprised if Aaron that if well, not we keep Aaron Danks kind of separate from one, but I'd be surprised if it was a promotion from within, um, mm-hmm. because there is a marriage of all the new staff there at yeah. the moment mm. i think if anything we might see more coaches move on yeah um, and then and then and then a full kind of backroom cabinet of yeah uh, of steven jared men to come in maybe i don't know yeah yeah that's true um and that's why I, I that's why i just i just don't think they'll promote from within um ronan put in a comment here don't forget about gary mack gary mack did did the role before under julia and i think more so that it's been established that gary mack is the um He's really the armor on the shoulder guy, the guy who can go over and sit in between the players in the dressing room. He's not the pull out the tactics board and lay out the cones guy on, on the field. And that's why I also think that they're not going to promote from within because um you can you can see that that when you even hear about like, like Tom Culshaw has come up about will he then he not just promote him because of the great relationship that they have. But he might be very good at that at setting out a training yeah. session. He might be really yeah, yeah. good at, at, at his specialization pieces. I don't really know how pile about Aaron Danks. I did speak to the training ground guru guys on on him before, not on the podcast, uh, from what I can remember. And and I'm going to be really honest. I must go back and check because sometimes after I do podcasts with people, maybe I'm chatting with them in the in the foyer beforehand or afterwards. Yeah. 
Instagram, and there's some nuggets come out, and I write it down, and I do have a jotter here where I've got little notes. I might go back and just see if I can find anything that was said on Danks, but he is, as you said, is highly thought of. And he was only at Anderlecht for three months or four months, if I remember yeah. rightly, with, uh, with Vincent Company. So, um, you yeah. know, he moved on from Anderlecht very, very quickly. So a lot of people are kind of talking as well about, oh, we wouldn't be able to get this guy because we wouldn't be able to get X coach because he's just gone here. But I think coaches are more fluid in how they can move around. And to be honest with you, yeah. money talks. It does, yeah. I mean, I know it's been like, it's not exactly been a really short um, time, but I'm, obviously he's been with Gerard for quite a while, but Bill's only been here for, as you say, eight-ish months. Um, when bigger gigs or more appealing gigs come along, they're not going to hold back from it if it's helping progress their own career, you know, just like footballers, really. I mean, obviously they have a bit more longevity and where they stay at clubs, but yeah, as you say, it's one of them. Um. Another uh, another coach that somebody mentioned to me was um, uh, sorry there guys my computer is just about to shut down for some it's something <laughs> popping up here saying warning 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 enter your password and I'm going uh, don't shut down in the middle of the in the middle of the <laughs> podcast but um, sorry yes so uh, another another name that somebody shouted at me on Twitter today and I think it's a really interesting name and it's potentially somebody that could uh, could make the switch over. Um, albeit that he is just gone back to Chelsea again, but um, Anthony um, Anthony Barry is uh, so he's he's been coached with, with Belgian national team and his first team coach at Chelsea. He was with Ireland uh, with the Republic of Ireland as well. He does tend to job hop an awful lot, and that's yeah. why I'm kind of thinking that you know this is kind of somebody that could come in and it could do the the could move. Um, he yeah. was originally so like he was he was assistant. To, to Paul Cook at, at, at Wigan. So he has been an assistant manager, joined uh, Chelsea as first team coach in 2020. And then in 2021, he left and he joined the Republic of Ireland coaching team. Um, and he did he did do some work with Chelsea still, if my memory serves me right. And then he yeah. left Ireland to join Belgium. So he's hopped around a bit in the last two years. And also, you know, I'm, I'm not fully convinced that Thomas Tuchel is going to be there for the long haul with Chelsea. And to be honest with you, I think Thomas Tuchel could decide to up sticks mid-season next season and just leave he's that kind of guy yeah still, you know um, yeah you don't know with their situation as well i think you know what happens when ownerships new ownerships come in yeah as good as a manager as he is they might just not see the same vision as him how they want to play how they want to work they might not get on it's one of those um you never know in football so as you say you just have to see Exactly. Well, we're going to park the coach talk there for a moment because uh, I'm very quickly getting out of my depth with names of coaches and things. <laughs> like that. It's getting very conspiratorial and speculatory here at the moment. Yeah. And I always, I always uh, feel like I'm dancing in glass slippers when uh, when it starts to get hypothetical situations or uh, you know, you know, stuff that that we ha- is based not like the names we've thrown out here. I have no factual basis behind them whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so these are just us spitting things at the wall and hoping that one of them sticks. So I do get very, very uh, anxious when when we start talking <laughs> those yeah. kind of things. So let's let's kind of talk a small bit more about something else that happened at Aston Villa today. Um, we got some bad news and McBeal that McBeal was leaving, but then almost hot in the heels, we got some good news that it's over the line and we got to see our new twenty six million pound man, a new Brazilian centre half, in the Villa shirt. Yeah. maybe not on the pitch but in the village art in the photographs and yeah. a proper press announcement that we have reached an agreement and signed Diego Carlos thoughts on that James because I don't think I've ever gotten your thoughts on that uh, yeah. signing it um, I'm really excited about it I'm, I'm excited more to see how we use him because I mean mm-hmm. he's a right footed um, centre back tends to play on the left um, but he can play on the right I think he played on, on the right at Nantes um, he did. Yeah. he's He's um, very combative. He's good on the ball. He's got uh, recovery pace, all things that you want in um, a high defensive line, which I think that we might be working towards. I think it's one of those now as well. We've got to see if we're linked or bring in another centre-back and what sort of sided centre-back it is. I think that'll point towards how we use them. But I think the whole deal in general has been... It's a great one for Carlos. 26 million. I know he's 29. But, I mean, he was quoted a lot more than that in January, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see him. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm really excited to see him. I'm excited that we've got final confirmation now because, um, you know, 
sometimes those deals are done, but they may not be done. And, and it's very rare that you see one specifically when you see you know big names like Fabrizio Romano and, and, and the like, they, they tweet, listen, this is a done deal. It's it's absolutely 100% signed. I think, uh, you know, it's very seldom that stuff like that happens. I think with Fabrizio that, um, uh, you know, the only one I could ever remember that ever went backwards on it was the Messi deal, but that caught everybody by surprise considering yeah. it was a case that Messi was going to sign the deal and, and all of a sudden the um, Barcelona turned around and said, um, Guys, you can't because you don't financially can't financially sign this deal. It's not it's not uh, it's not within the rules. So um, you know, when somebody says like that says it, it's probably gospel. So I'm delighted to see it. And I I think uh, while I don't disagree with when you talk about right and left sided centre backs, I think the fact he can play both and, and that we do already have two right sided centre backs, it would make sense that we would have a second left left sided centre back. Yeah. I I think that. I, I think it's going to be Carlos and Mings next season. I don't think we're changing Mings at all. To change yeah. our two centre-backs is a massive undertaking. It it's a I huge agree. undertaking. And we've no bloody coach to implement, to <laughs> yeah. implement yeah. anything at the moment either. So, huge undertaking. And then to then to get them to line up with a brand new number six holding midfielder, I think it might be uh, you know a bridge too far to, to change those three players. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to see Carlos start on the right. I think, um, especially with Kamara in there, I presume we'll be building as a back three. Um, but Kamara's got that intuitiveness where he can cover behind the two centre-backs. So any sort of mistakes that we might see from a high line or a- a- aggressive pressing, he's someone that can sweep up. So don't don't worry me too much about the, the aggressive sort of play that we might see. Um, mm. Mings, I think he will go up a level next to Carlos. I think they'll bounce off each other leadership-wise, ability-wise. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm, in, I'm enticed by it as well. PSK, the man who mentioned Garrity on the podcast last night and delighted to see her back in here again, um, he mentions that Garrity as, as an assistant has legs and that Olsen to be confirmed by the weekend. And that there was another uh, Maxence Lacroix rumour today. We did a, a show on Maxence Lacroix and, and I felt... I'm not going to say I fell in love with him, but I really got a, a, a deep liking for just a different type of defender and a, a defender that the, the kind of reminds me a small bit of um, the lad Romero that, that Spurs picked up. Yeah. You know, aggressive as all hell. And he's going to ask questions after he, you know, goes straight through you, you know, and, and, and look, I was like that as well. So maybe and, and he's a right sided, right sided centre back. So maybe mm-hmm. when he comes in, that answers a couple more questions for us as well. But we already have two right sided centre backs. So what happens yeah. in that instance, I I don't know. But um, big money. I think they're looking for him about thirty million. Yeah, and um, um, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Do you know much about him? Um, I've seen bits. Um, not a lot. I'll confess. Um, his data looks good, but mainly the eye test. He passes it for me. He's got another another player that's got immense recovery pace. He's so quick. Um, he's really good at progressing the ball as well. On the, on the ball, he's always looking forward. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd see if there's something in that. That would be an interesting one. Be a lot of money to spend in two centre halves. Yeah. You're talking the bones of 30 million in that one, 30, 35. You know, to spend sixty-one million and two and two new centre halves, there is for me. I know it doesn't sound like massive money in, in the greater scheme of things. When you see that Harry Maguire went for eighty million, but to integrate two of those at the same time, I think yeah. in put it this way: if I was offered the coaching job at Aston Villa in the morning, I'd turn it down on the basis of having to integrate two centre halves and a defensive midfielder into the system in one off season. Um, that would just be yeah. me. Um, yeah, for I'd sure. have hot sweats thinking about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, here's a shout for assistant manager. Let's just go back to assistant manager for a moment. Herman Gerland, that would be a real statement. Mr. Bayern Munich himself, Herman Gerland. If uh, and thanks for that, KFWH. Like Herman Gerland is literally um yeah, that, that would be saying something. I yeah. I, I would imagine. I would imagine, and I know he's in and out and he's in and out. Whenever they're stuck, they get him to come back in as assistant manager. And it's like he retires once every six months and comes back again. But I would imagine if he set foot outside of Germany that he might turn to dust or something. Uh, he's also 67 <laughs> yeah. years of age. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he put it this way. 
There'll be no one saying there. There'll be no one ringing up saying I can't get to training today because my gate is locked. I've locked myself <laughs> into my gate. <laughs> yeah, I can no guarantee chance. you, Herman Jarland will be out there in two seconds flat to get yeah, him go through that gate to open it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting one. That would be an interesting one. Um, this is also one from John Steele. This is another really interesting point, and I know I'm going backwards to kind of go forwards here, and we're 23 minutes in, and we haven't spoken about the midfield yet. But John Steele mentioned something as well, and it is topical towards Aston Villa. The Martin O'Neill, his managerial career went downhill after John Robertson retired, and that is really interesting because it did. It just did go downhill, you know. At, at our and he managed at Irish level, and he had Roy Keane with him, if memory serves me right, and so on. And, you know, John Robertson was the guy who um who 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 did the donkey work for him on the field, you know. So but then again, that's anecdotal evidence that happened to him, man. That happened to Steven Gerrard. They were also yeah. what 25, 20, 25 years doing it together. Yeah. Whereas uh Gerard is probably the bones of Jesus, if we were to put it together, thirty five months. Yeah, well, it, together. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I think we're gonna see what, what Gerard is made of. I don't think it's the it's so much off a cliff as what people might expect, but we're going to see how he adapts to different coaches. Um, a lot of the best managers went through different coaches. Fergie went through, what, seven? Something like seven in yeah. his time at United. And he, he lost Brian Kidd and he was fine. Um, mm. It is about how you adapt. Um, but it, it, I don't think we can call it right now. So it is, it's a slight worry, but it's also, uh, you, could, you could be excited that someone else better comes in at the same time. So I sort of, you know, temper my disappointment at the moment. And I, I think I think that's a fair thing to do. Look, there's a lot to be written here and we can panic now and be reactionary, I suppose, to Michael Beale going. But next thing, as I say, tomorrow morning, we could have Herman Jordan did here. <laughs> yeah. uh, or we could have someone with a massive record of success in. You just don't yeah. know because Stephen Jarrett is... Like, like, we just don't know what he's going to be able to pull out of the woodwork with regards to this one. People might want to come and work for him that we yeah. never would consider and maybe want to leave a role with another couple. Who knows? I, I don't, as I say, once again, we're in the realm of hypothetical once more and I have the glass slippers on and I'm afraid <laughs> that I'm going to break them uh, here. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Um, right. So we're going to cut the transfer talk there for a moment. We're also going to cut the coaching talk and I'm actually going to talk to you 25 minutes in about what I actually bloody got you on the podcast to talk about in the first yep. time, first <laughs> first thing, James. So uh, we're still doing our season review, and this is part two of our three-part season review. Uh, actually, we might even do a fourth one. It's, we might even do a whole what did Stephen Gerrard and Dean Smith bring to the table uh, review, but we'll see that one is yet to be written. But today we're going to talk about the midfielders. Uh, for me, a much maligned position, a, a position that got a ton of blame, rightly and wrongly, I think, over the course of the season. Um, Ronnie Murphy, who usually comes on the podcast and comments from time to time. Good to see you if you are listening, Ronnie. Uh, we love you. Um, I don't have any stat sheets for you. You'll be delighted to know um, because uh, Ronnie don't like the stat sheets, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> um, so I don't have them today. And it's not not. It's just because I didn't get to them. To be honest, yeah. which I didn't get to do them. Um, so, uh, but but our midfield is is an area I think that I'd like to get your opinion on because to be honest with you, I'm a bit sick of talking about the midfield after the season that they've had. Yeah, it's it's fun. I think it is the position that's been, I think, looked at so much this season. I think it has been a bit unbalanced. Um, we, we were screaming out for a specialist six for a long time. Uh, finally got one now, obviously. But we, we had Nakamba. Um, he has limitations. He's great at winning the ball back, moving it on, maybe sideways not quite carrying it forwards and progressing it forwards passing-wise. And then obviously we lost him. And it's just been one of those, I think it, there's been some blame on the players, some blame on the coaching. And I think it's in between uh, at times. It's hard when a, a, you know, a new set of staff come in, implement a new vision, a new blueprint for players to adapt to it and for the coaches to implement it. Um, we have, I, I think, I think it screams out, that it probably was one of our weakest positions where straight away we get Kamara over the line after the transfer window, uh, well, after the end of the season, and we're still looking at another midfielder. Um, so I, I think, as you said, rightly and wrongly, got a lot of criticism, um, especially, I think, I, I do feel sorry for Douglas Louise, especially. I think he's, he's another player that can be inconsistent, but he's been played at a position for such a long time 
when he played in that eight position against uh, was it Liverpool, and he uh, and he shone. Uh, it was one of those when you, you say uh, yeah, and so it, that was one of his best games of the season as well. I think he created something like six chances that game, didn't he? Like top mm. top chance creator that game. So we have a, the frustrating thing is we have a lot of talent in midfield. It's just not clicked, and I think a lot of it comes down to shape. Um, it's yeah, it's just, it has been very frustrating to watch. I agree. I think uh, uh, my my biggest problem with our midfield this year is it's very samey. Yeah, you know, it's very very samey. Um, in the, in the aspect whereby, you know, somebody like oh, there's this is uh, okay. I'm just gonna just do something there. Um, uh, the it's very samey from the point of view that the Jacob Ramsey comes in, and Jacob Ramsey immediately becomes our our only our only ball carrying midfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody else was a retreat and contain uh, type midfielder, and uh, whether they wanted to be that way or not, everybody just just morphed into that player. You saw Morgan Sanson was busy like McGinn, but essentially we didn't see a whole pile of McGinn going forward at all this season. When we did, he took shots from eighty yards, and uh, now I, I don't mind that in a lot of aspects. And, and just for for context as well, guys. The man behind me, Coutinho, Emi Buendia, we're going to put those in the more forward-orientated players bracket when we're talking about it, just because the fact that we played nines and tens every so often, and it was an it was an incongruent type of um, uh, type of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We didn't have stability from that type of formation, so we're going to stick with the guys who predominantly played sixes and eights. And um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And yeah, I think it was very samey. Then you had guys who came on through the course of the year, like Kenny Chukwameka, kind of got more and more minutes as the year went on. Then there was a lull period in the middle when he didn't, and then towards the end of the season he did. And obviously, young Tim broke his way into the in, in, into the, to the to proceedings again. Um, I think if Stephen Gerrard had his time back or had this season back again. I think he would have probably plumped up and paid an extra few pounds for a, a, a dedicated number six in January. Because I think if he, I think if he was being honest with himself, maybe he didn't have the choice. Though I'm not saying Stephen Gerrard vetoed it or anything. The club yeah. may have vetoed it. Johan Langer, it's a transfer committee type thing. But I think if the club were to sit down and do a review, I think they probably would have said, you know what, we should have plumped up for for Rodrigo Bentancourt. Because yeah. he actually he went to play socks off for Spurs and was a big reason as to why Spurs were able to command yeah. games under Conte and got got fourth place. Not saying we would have got fourth place, but Rodrigo Bentancourt in that midfield immediately becomes our best midfielder. Yeah, he dictates the play over at Spurs. Then you know if you watch him, yeah. he's, he's got something that a lot of our midfield doesn't have consistently, which is press resistance. And any time he's getting pressed, he's calm under pressure. Doesn't matter whether he's passing two yards, twenty yards, further. He's calm in possession, and that's something that I hope that we we can get out of our players soon. Whether that's a mentality thing or whether it's just a sheer ability thing, because obviously not everyone has it. You, not everyone can can do that, and that's not a slight on them because everyone has different strengths. Mm. But yeah, Ben Tanker, I really like the look of him when we're linked, when we're linked to him, and then I think. I don't know. There's different reports saying that we were in for him, we weren't in for him, but I'd have took him 100%. For 18 million, it's it's the signing, it was the signing of the season. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, it really was like he, he, he completely solidified that Spurs midfield, allowed Spurs to essentially do what they want to most teams, made them, made them a lot more hard to break down and more frustrating. And, uh, 
yeah, look, they, they got him, we didn't, and I'm not saying that we would have had the same impact on him, but Conte knew how to use him from his time in Italy, and he damn sure knew how to use him when he came to Spurs, because he had, he had good effect, and, you know, when we talk about this midfield, and I talk about kind of same Z players, players that were all very, very similar, I feel sorry for, there's there's a lot of midfielders I feel sorry for for this season, I, I McGinn, this would be seen as a down year for McGinn, and, um, potentially, like last year was a good year for McGinn, I think. Then the year previously, he got injured against Southampton, I think it was, wasn't it Southampton or Burnley? can't remember. And then, you know, he missed parts of that year. So he's getting up there in 27, 28 years of age, if I'm not mistaken, for John McGinn. You know, those bad years, if they start to accumulate, not bad years, but those years where maybe he's misused, if they start to accumulate, you know, yeah. he... I'm sure he, he wants to push on and he's a good enough player to push on. And we all think he is. Yes, he did miss that header just now when Scotland played abysmally. Yeah. But John McGinn is is a catalyst type player. And I would say you'd have to lock, walk a long road and find the darkest of dark nights to find somebody who says a bad word about John McGinn that's played with him. Um, yeah. So yeah. I feel sorry for players like him. I feel sorry for Morgan Sanson and his injuries and, and, um, and the fact that he's probably missed his chance of playing in the Premier League now, um, based on his yeah. age. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I I liked it, what I saw of him quite often. Mm. It was that game against Chelsea in the cup at the start of the season. And before he got injured, he was probably one of the best, if not the best player on the pitch at the time. He looked like he was driven. He was carrying the ball. He was winning the ball, passing the ball really well. He's. It looked. I mean, when we signed him, it looked like great business. Was it something like fifteen, sixteen million? Um, in the January window, um, it, it was a good, it looked a good bargain. Uh, and as I say, I, I did like the look of him, but it's one of those that's been hampered by injuries now and again. And it's, I think that might play a part in the fact that he just struggles to get into the team. And then you look at the fact that Jacob Ramsey's come in this season, seized his chance, and he looks like he's going to be a hell of a player. So yeah. it, it doesn't get any easier for Sanson to get in that team. Uh, it doesn't because John McGinn is there. Like it doesn't because yeah. John McGinn is there because Douglas Louise is there. And as I say, that's where the the samey samey type players. So there is going to have to be a fall guy. There's going to have to be someone that's going to be stripped out. Like you hear about Roma wanting to sign Douglas Louise for thirty million. I don't know if thirty million would entice me to sign. It would entice me to sell him. Um, it would be very dependent on where he was going. I think I'd be okay with letting him go to the Italian league for 30 million like that. But then again, Roma are looking to buy, are apparently in to buy Basuma. Um, and they've got now an elevated status that they've won their first European competition. Obviously, they've got Mourinho. So whatever pull Steven Gerrard has, I'd say multiply it yeah. by 10 and you're going to have Mourinho um, yeah. for the short-term benefits that he can give players as well. So uh, I don't know. Um, but the fall guy, I think the obvious fall guy, I think is going to be Morgan Sanson. And um, yeah. if we were to, uh, now that we've got Kamara in there, it even it pushes Douglas Louise up into that position of the same Z players of having all those eights that can do the same thing. And then if, if Sanson goes out, do we really lose much if we if Sanson goes? I mean, if we bring in another hybrid six eight type player, I've just been watching Argentina, and uh, as I said earlier on, like Guido. give me Guido Rodriguez all day long. <laughs> I just uh, like literally he's he's only short of bringing a gun on the field. Like that's the type of player he is. He's no nonsense, and yeah. uh, I would love him uh, in there. But like that's just once again glass slippers on again that's complete hypothetical stuff um but i do think we will sign more midfielders i think we've got one more midfielder at least uh and then if you think that outgoings are going to be tim eric Boonham, i would imagine um everybody just says he's nailed on to go to norwich for next season on loan like it just feels yeah. right doesn't it yeah it does i think it does actually you know dino he likes um giving the youth a chance he gave carney and uh jpb a chance at the end of last season mm -hmm. There's obviously that connection with the club and Dean. Um, Norwich are a team that like to play football on the ground, which suits Tim. I mean, I wrote that piece on Tim a couple of months ago. It, it really impresses his, it impresses me on the ball as well as winning the ball back. So at the age of 18, 19, it, he's going to be a hell of a player. I think, as you, as you say, with Kamara coming in as well now, he's going to start every game, um, providing he's obviously fit all, all season, which... You know, don't want to jinx that at all or anything. But, um, yeah, you'd, you'd think that getting Tim some development time, championship would be perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll see what comes of that. And then uh, I think 
there will be one, maybe two outgoings in terms of eights, depending on who we bring in. Um, again, we don't. Uh, I've got my my um, favourite who I'd like us to bring in, but that's just speculation again. Mm-hmm. One person we have actually been been linked with. I like to get your opinion on him, and it's okay to go in two footed as well if you want on this one. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain has been mentioned <laughs> for anywhere between eight and ten million. Um, I I genuinely believe he's one of the forgotten men of English football. Yeah, I agree. Um, another Liverpool player that struggled with injuries, and not just at Liverpool, he struggled at Arsenal as well. Um, mm. But he's got something different about him. He he's box to box. He can win the ball back. He can carry the ball. He can get a good goal. Um, got a good shot on him. I like him. I think he. I think he's still underrated. I mean, I'm not sure how old he is now. He's probably twenty years. Late years, I say, late twenties. So I mean, he's still in his prime years. Um, a Liverpool connection again. Uh, I, I would. I think I would take him at Villa, especially for the price. I'd. I'd have. I think I've had. I'd have preferences first, but I wouldn't turn my nose up at um, at the Ox. Hmm. If you were to offer me Jesse Lingard on a free or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for 10 million, I'd take Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for 10 million. Me too. Me too. I, but then again, I just have, I just like, myself and Paddy have a podcast coming out about the 10 greatest wankers in the Premier League. And uh, so, so keep an eye out for that. When news gets slow, we're going to drop that one. And spoiler alert, Jesse Lingard is going to be on my list for some strange reason. I just have an irrational. I just don't like him. Um, and that's okay too, I suppose. I don't dislike, like, you know, I just, I prefer not to have yeah. him on my team. Is essentially yeah, what I'm saying. I think so, it's when he danced <laughs> on us at Villa Park last season when the beat was 3-1. Yeah, think... that, that still irritates me a bit. He's up. <laughs> That comes up. That comes up from time to time in the podcast too, as well. It's pre-recorded, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's ready to go when things get uh, things get a bit quieter. So watch out for that one. But um, no, look, I'm not saying that we will sign Oxley Chamberlain. I'm not saying, as you said, that you've got preferences. You've got a list of preferences. But I could see where he could fit into this team. And mm-hmm. just remember as well that, like, if he was to take minutes from, uh, if he was to take over from Morgan Sanson and be on the bench and obviously be more available than Sanson was at times this year. Um, I think he's an upgrade on what Morgan Sanson brings, albeit a slightly different player from him. The fact that he is more um, progressive, he is more of a passer, he's more of a forward. He, he was, well, that's unfair to say about Morgan Sanson because when he came into this team, he was probably everything Oxlade Chamberlain was with Liverpool and more. Uh, it's just when he came to the Premier League, he's been utilised back further. So he probably suffers from John McGinnitis as well about being yeah. used in the wrong position, Sanson. But I just can't see him being here next season. I think that there will be somebody that will drop out of that midfield. And, and and to me, he's the he's the likely candidate, but you never know. You never know. Um, anyone else in midfield that we've we've forgot to speak about? Uh, I think some of the up and coming, uh, some of the good positive points I think for midfield, obviously, as you mentioned, young players, young Tim, Kenny Chukwemeka, Tommy O'Reilly making the yeah, bench a couple of that, times. Yeah. Tommy O'Reilly yeah. making must be Irish. There must be an Irish connection there. So yeah, <laughs> looks good though. Wonderful left foot from what I've seen of him. Yeah, I haven't seen much. I will be honest with you. I haven't watched as much as the kids of the kids uh, this year as I did uh, the year previous. But um, Stephen Gerrard seems to think that the sun shines out of him in certain parts. So uh, uh, he's another guy I think we could see in maybe the Cameron Archer mold that all of a sudden gets a loan move to uh, yeah, or maybe maybe gets gets seen in in preseason. And then gets a loan move in and around the league after the first League Cup game, maybe gets a loan move to a, a League One side, and then we see how he does because um, uh, I think that he could be somebody that could uh, could rock up maybe uh, at somewhere that Stephen Gerrard has a connection or there's somebody coaching that maybe has a connection with him, like Cameron Archer did this yeah. season with, uh, with Ryan Lowe at, at Preston North End. Um, I'm trying to think, was there any other midfielders we went through this season? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, Ashley Young we might as well talk about Ashley apparently we can't talk about any position group without talking about Ashley Young no let's not Um, because he he was a left back predominantly this season so uh, we won't put him in there that central midfield position but I think look there's there's, uh, I think it's 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 a position for me and and you can let me know whether you agree with this or not but I think it's a position for me that took a lot of slack last season um, I think that I think the individual players are better than the some of their parts were over the course of this season. 
I think the Definitely. positives have real great potential in the the two young guys and Jacob Ramsey that have come in. Like Jacob Ramsey is now training with England senior team. It's crazy. Isn't it? That's that's our Jacob Ramsey guys. That's Am our Rose. Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, he's um what I like to what I'd like to see more of in Ramsey next season. Now we've got Kamara and this is he's getting further forward a bit now because obviously him and McGinn filling in for fullbacks to get the ball forward. When the ball goes forward fast. There's no time for him to get into the box where, which is which is where I want to see Ramsey making those late runs in, or even just on the edge of the box because we've seen the shot he's got on him. But now with Kamara in, I feel like we'll be building with a back three, um, so those two eights can sit a bit further forward and collect the ball, and then obviously the two tens can occupy the centre backs and stuff. I'm, I don't want to get too into it because I'm not I'm not a tactical genius, but it's what I imagine seeing, and I'd like to see more of JJ McGinn whoever else might get in a bit further forward. So he actually brings up a, a player as well. We forgot to mention uh, Hayden yeah. Lindley. Um, I think yeah. he's probably, I think, I think at the senior level, he's probably going to be pushed back into a full back position, maybe a right back position or something like that. But yeah. uh, tough tackling like, like in, in our run in the, in the youth cup, there wasn't much getting past him at, at, at that number six position. And he looked quite uh, imposing. I just don't know. Will he be, does he have the frame to put on extra muscle or to grow extra, grow taller, but um, really interesting player. Also, Sai mentions we like to see how much Steven Gerrard likes Finn as as. Um, spoiler alert, guys. Next week, we have a full uh, week of um, interviews with uh, podcasts for teams of players that were on loan. So watch out for that. Um, they're pre-recorded podcasts. I will be releasing them all next week. It was one of the most enjoyable things I've done since I've started podcasting, talking to guys from Newport County, from Swindon, from Norwich, from Preston. Um, uh, just a plethora of really cool people and really good guys and guys that know their football and spoke really highly about Aston Villa players. So um, have a look out for those. I implore you all to watch them, to like them and to um, to to uh, encourage other people to subscribe to the podcast on the back of the, of them being shown. So it's, uh, it's really good. Um, yeah, so he's uh, as I say, he he's somebody that maybe that maybe he wants to look at considering he won League Two Player Young Player of the Year. Yeah, uh, good. season just gone. So um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much because I will start talking about Finazes and and give away half the podcast that I did uh, with um, with the wonderful guys at the nineteen twelve Exiles uh, podcast. But um, yeah, so I think realistic midfield, as we said, uh, as we said, James, or as I said, because I feel like I've done a lot of talking out, um, is. Uh, too much because I said I wouldn't do any at the start. <laughs> What's new with me? Um, yeah. But I think I, I think we'll probably give them a C minus. I think over the course of the year. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. What would be your final thoughts on midfield and uh, and where I suppose you know final comments on it? Um, I want it to be less lightweight next season. Um, ca- capable on the ball, not. I hate the times in midfield where I play a blind pass across midfield and it gets cut out. I want I want focus, consistency, physicality, uh, and to be further up the pitch, have a bit of chemistry between each midfielder that's on it, make those triangles. I, I, I want it to be exciting because midfield's probably my favourite position um, in football. I think you see all parts of the game going through it, especially... The sixth role now, dictating play. I, I, I'm really excited about Kamara. So I think it's I'm past last season's midfield now. Looking forwards, I am excited about it, especially with potential new midfielders on the on the horizon as well as Kamara. So yeah, onwards and upwards. I think. Mm. I've got this is an interesting one from David Kirkland, and it's actually something that I meant to throw out in my in my preamble is that when we're talking about players coming in and coming out and there's, there's a reason I didn't actually even mention him and I was mentioning about getting Guido Rodriguez in as but I think that there is a possibility this could happen I'm not saying yeah. it will happen I'm not saying I want it to happen but David Kirkland here says Nakamba and I was possibly selling him as he only has a year left in his contract Um was pivotal for us this year you know when he played we played a bit better he brought a bit more structure to the team and he brought that stay-at-home ability that douglas louise didn't really yeah um through no fault of his own because i just think that that this uh steven jared actually played a different midfield with uh without the in it with the in it but 
potentially if you were to upgrade on him, I think he could be sold while he's uh while his stock is high. Um not saying I want it, but not saying that he deserves yeah. to be sold, but we're gonna have to balance the book somewhere. I think if you were Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a really really interesting one, and um, yeah, and, and because we completely I forgot I completely forgot to talk about him um that much, um, and it was because I wanted to bring up this point about potentially he could be one of the odd men out if we were to upgrade in that position. So thanks, David Kirkland, for reminding me. All but albeit that you didn't know you had to remind me about that. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, so I, you know, I think that's really kind of going to do it for us tonight, James. Um. Midfield, as he says, near the, the the we must do better. I think it's what we'll yeah. be on the report card as it goes home, as we say. Um, but I want to thank you so much for popping on again. Um, no really appreciate your time. You know, fifteen minutes, the twenty minutes turned into forty-seven minutes. Um, I know not a lot of people have that time. But Paddy's just a nut job who refuses to tell me to shut the fuck up whenever I'm on podcast. <laughs> and I, f- it seems like I found someone else who refuses to tell me to shut I, up too. I don't mind. I can talk about it forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I really appreciate your time, especially on a school night here uh, on Wednesday, the 1st of June. But I really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you back on again because you've uh, yep. you've given some great insights on, on the midfield. So, um, uh, as I say, everybody follow James as James. Uh, what, oh, you're you're at the whole 19 or 1874. 1874. Yeah, yeah. At the whole 1874 um, is where you find James. And um, yeah, please give him a follow. And uh, as I say, I think you'll be seeing on the podcast because I enjoy talking to, to, to you James um, to everybody out there thanks a million for all your support we've had like 150 people I think at one stage or 160 people watching our little old podcast today as we rambled about Mike Beal as we rambled about uh, potentials and, and this and that <laughs> and then got into midfield uh, midfield talk so I really appreciate it thumbs up on the podcast if you enjoy it uh, that really really helps us does us does us a solid also if you could uh, if you could subscribe if you're not already a subscriber I would really appreciate that too we have a massive amount of podcasts coming out I I've been recording podcasts like this weekend to give you give you an insight I've spoken to an Irish man who uh, writes on solely on French football to talk about specifically about Boubacar Camara that will be out over the weekend next week we've got Lone Watch uh, for the whole week with some amazing podcasts. I'm going to load them all up onto YouTube tomorrow so you guys can set the uh, reminders for them if you want to watch them. Genuinely, if you never watch any of our podcasts again, you should really watch those loan those loan podcasts because the guys give such great insights about these players and they've seen them play day, week in, week out. And uh, they're very, very uh, interesting podcasts as well. So I would, um, uh, I would like that. Um, uh, tomorrow we will be back. With I will be back again tomorrow. We'll be back at half past nine for another live podcast. Again, I might be doing it for my kitchen as opposed to my podcast, as opposed to my podcast boudoir that I'm in here. But I will be joined with the by the the guys from the wonderful A View from the Stands podcast uh, as well. So um, I hope I hope to see you there tomorrow. And uh, yeah, get subscribing to the podcast this week. I'm really really excited about what we have coming coming up uh, over the next few weeks, um, and it's something that we've been working towards uh, over you know, over pretty much the whole season to get stuff like this together. So lastly, once again, James, I want to say thank you to you for popping on. Really means an awful lot, and I really appreciate your time. You. And to everybody out there, have a fantastic evening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.